Help us as we try to preach through, through this text. Pray you'd help us to be attentive, Lord. Help us not to be distracted. And Father, uh, please help your word to minister to somebody here tonight. We love you, Father. Thank you for the good day you've allowed us to have. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us again tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Genesis chapter number 39. And we've been preaching a little bit through the life of Joseph. And we took a little bit of breaks there for different things. But if you look down at verse number 1, the Bible says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hand of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. Now, we see there, if you remember last time we were talking about Joseph back in chapter number 37, uh, if you remember we started the life of Joseph, chapter 37, and we took a little bit of a break there because we had Pastor Mark Lewis preach for us on one of those Sunday nights, and then we were in Genesis 38 dealing with Judah, so now we're back into the life of Joseph, and if you remember, uh, his brethren had taken him, and they had sold him to the Ishmaelites, they weren't going to kill him because they hated him, but instead they decided to sell him to the Ishmaelites, and the Ishmaelites now bring him down into Egypt, and they sell him into slavery, uh, they, and he's purchased by Potiphar, a man named Potiphar, and the Bible tells us that he's an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guards, this is a military man, he's one of the officers there in the military of uh, Pharaoh's army, and he purchased uh, Joseph there and brings him down to his house. And the Bible tells us there in verse number 2, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. And it's a very interesting uh, phrase there, and we'll get a little more into that as, the, as we go on through the sermon. But it's very interesting that the Bible says this about Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Because it's a very good thing. And what happens now in the life of Joseph is that many uh, good things come from it. And I want you to see that Joseph was trusted by a prosperous man, Potiphar. The Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. And the Bible tells us that not only was Joseph trusted, but Joseph himself was prosperous. Look at verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. And look what it says. Talking about Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. Now, you know, sometimes we shy away from these words prosperous or prosperity because today, you know, we preached about this before, there is what people call the prosperity gospel. There are, you know, Pentecostals out there who want to preach this prosperity gospel and I've heard them, you know, call it, you know, just name it and claim it type preaching where they preach, you know, God wants to make you rich and God wants to, you know, give you everything and God wants to prosper your life and God's going to bless you and He's going to give you money and He's going to heal your sickness and if He doesn't do it, it's because you don't have the faith for him to do it and all these things you know and sometimes we read this about Joseph and we read that everywhere he went God was blessing him God was prospering him and we might think oh you know that's the prosperity gospel but here's what you got to keep in mind look at verse number 3 and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prop, prosperous man semicolon and then God adds this phrase just to kind of remind us to put things back in context he says and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian okay so Joseph was still in slavery Joseph was still in the house, you know, that's not really what the prosperity gospel would teach, you know. I mean, he was still a slave, but here's the good thing. Even as a slave, God blessed him. Even as a slave, God's hands was on him. And the Bible said that he was a prosperous man, but see, we, you know, would look at that and think, what's so prosperous about being a slave? What's so blessed about being a slave? But even in that situation, the Bible tells us God was with Joseph, and God was blessing Joseph. Not only did, was Joseph a prosperous man, but the Bible says that Joseph found grace in his sight. Look at verse 3. 
And his master saw that the Lord was with him. So you notice, he, his master Potiphar was able to see a difference in Joseph, and he saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had, he put in his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer in the house. So I want you to see this, and we're going to understand about Joseph. You know, we, nor, we would be praying, and we would want... Uh, God to give us a better position. You know, we would be praying, God, is there any way that you can make it so that I'm no longer a slave? I'd like to not be a slave. I'd like to maybe be the boss. I'd like to be the one giving the orders, you know. And we, we think in that sort of terminology where we want God to give us a better position. But here's what God did for Joseph. He didn't give him a better position, but He gave him a better position in the sight of the man who owned him. Does that make sense? God, you know, didn't make Joseph the boss, but God allowed Joseph to find grace in the sight of his boss. You know, and we want God to change our position, to change, you know, you know, make us more powerful or make us more authoritative. But, you know, I, it would be better for us to be where God wants us to be with the Lord with us than to be maybe in a position of more power or more authority but to not have the Lord with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Joseph was exactly where he needed to be, and God had him in this perfect position, and this is where God likes to keep Christians, because he was in a place where he was blessed, because God was coming through for him, but it had nothing to do with Joseph's power, with his position, with his authority, it had nothing to do with God. If Joseph was treated well, if Joseph was treated kindly, if Joseph was, was given authority, and was given you know privileges, it was because God had him there. And that's where God likes to have us. He likes to have us in that place where maybe we have the blessing of God in our life, but it's, it's so shaky ground, it's so, you know, we know that it's just God holding things together. And sometimes we as Christians, we go through life, and it feels like, man, it feels like, you know, every day our lives are on the brink of maybe falling apart. Or every day, every week, the ministry is on the brink of just falling apart. But that's where God wants you. God doesn't necessarily maybe want you running the show, but He's going to make sure that whoever's running the show, that you find grace in their sight, if the Lord is with you. Not only that, but look down on verse number 5. The Bible says, And it came to pass from that time... That he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and the field. And in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not all he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. The Bible says that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And that's a good place to be in. You know, and Joseph, the Bible tells us, he found this because the Lord was with him. And you know, at your job, you, you want to be, you know, you want at your job, or you want, you know, wherever your, your place of influence, you want with your friends, you, you know, you want people to be able to identify, God is blessing me. God is blessing us because Joseph is here. Potiphar was able to identify, God is blessing our business, God is blessing our house, God is blessing our place. And it's all because... Joseph. You know, and that makes, you, that makes you indispensable. And that's where you want to be. That's where I want to be in our lives. We want to know that God's hand is on our life and that God can help us and God can prosper us. I didn't say make you rich. I didn't say give you a mansion. Look, Joseph was still a slave, but we were able to identify that God's hand was on him. You know, it's amazing to me. Sometimes we talk to Christians. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And you know, we'll, we'll meet Christians who have nothing. I mean, they barely have a roof, you know, to, to, to lay their head under. And they have no vehicles, or they have no money, they're broke, they don't have nothing. They're going through trials, they're going through tribulations. And you ask them, how are you doing? And they'll say, I'm blessed. You know, you, and, you, and, you think, and you think to yourself, where does that, ble- where does that come from? You know, but that's, that's where Joseph was. He was a slave, kidnapped from his family, taken thousands of miles away, to a land he'd never been, a foreign land, but yet, because the Lord was with him, he was okay. So, we saw, number one, that Joseph was trusted by a prosperous man. But I'd like you to see, number two, Joseph was tested by a persistent woman. Look at verse number 7. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things. Well, actually, look at the last part of verse 6. The Bible says, Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. That word, that terminology there, goodly person, that's referring to his looks. The Bible's telling us, Joseph was a very handsome young man. And the Bible says in verse 7, And it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But I want you to see the Bible Bible says in verse 8, But he refused. And said unto his master's wife, Behold, now I'd like you to notice a few things. He says, Behold, my master, okay, he's talking about Potiphar, wadeth not what is with me in the house. And he, referring to Potiphar, hath committed all that he, referring to Potiphar, hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he, referring to Potiphar, kept back anything from me, but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness, and what he says, and sin against... Now you would think he'd say Potiphar, because that's what he's been mentioning this whole time. But notice he says, he says, you know, my master has given me responsibility. My master doesn't even know what goes on. That's what the word wadeth means. He doesn't even know what's going on. He's given me so much trust. He's given me so much responsibility. He's given me so much authority. He's allowed me to be in charge and run this place. He said there's no greater person in this house other than, you know, the only person greater than me is Potiphar. And Potiphar, the only thing he's held back from me is his wife because it's his wife. And he said he's blessed me and he's helped me and he's done all these great things. He's talking about Potiphar. But then he says, how can I do this great wickedness? And he says, sin against God. And you know, with Joseph, we find so much character and integrity. But it stems from this, his acknowledgement that the Lord was with him. You see what I'm saying? He, he understands. He says, look, I cannot do this thing. Now look, he could have done it and nobody would have seen it. Nobody would have known. Nobody would have said anything. He might have been able to get away with it. And, and you might have think, you know, what, Joseph, aren't you bitter against God? Aren't you mad against God? Here you are, hundreds and maybe thousands of miles away from home. Here you are, you know, rejected by your family, sold into slavery, put into this position, you know, and you think, oh, you can do it. But Joseph had this understanding, had this, this way about him where he just knew the presence of God, Almighty God was on his life. The presence of God was with him. And he said, I cannot do this. He said, Behold, my master, what is that what is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that he had to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither he kept back anything from me. But thee, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness? And he says, Sin against God. Amen. That's 
that's where his character came from. That's where his integrity came from. From his understanding at verse number uh, 2 that the Lord was with him. And if we're going to live a life of this type of character and integrity, we're just going to have to settle in our minds this understanding that if you're saved and you've got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, everywhere you go, everywhere you are, the Lord is with you. You say, even if, even if I get sold into slavery, even if I get taken away from my family, even if I'm hundreds of miles away from anybody I know, even if I'm treated bad and done wrong, you know, the Lord's with you. And Joseph just understood this in his life, and he said, I cannot sin. Against my master, yes, but even more than that, I cannot sin against God. We saw, number one, that Joseph was trusted by a prosperous man, and we saw, number two, that Joseph was tested by a persistent woman. But I'd like you to see number three, Joseph was tempted by a patient God. See, in Joseph's life, things were bad. If you read verse number one again, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's cap- captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. You know, in Joseph's life, things were not going well. Obviously, we saw there he was sold into slavery. He was a young man. Do you remember when we first met Joseph, he was 17 years old. When he was sold into slavery, he probably wasn't much older. He probably was still 17, maybe 18 years old. You know, an 18-year-old is now sold as property into slavery, and he's looking at his life. I mean, an 18-year-old, has a if, if, the, if they live an average lifespan, has... Decades in front of their life. And he's looking at his life, thinking to himself, I'm going to be a slave the rest of my life. No one's coming for me. My dad isn't coming to help me. He thinks I'm dead. My siblings are, you know, aren't going to come and help me. They're the ones that sold me here. And he's looking at his life and he's thinking of it, he's seeing his life as a ruined life. A life of slavery. You know, and then you think on top of that, I'm sure Joseph, as he was traveling down to Egypt, I'm sure Joseph, as he was being sold into slavery, and we can imagine how that went, the Bible doesn't tell us, but you imagine that he might have been lined up with a bunch of people and had different people come up, and we know from, you know, his slavery history, you know, in our country and stuff, they would line up people, and they would come and they'd look at them physically and see, you know, check their teeth like some sort of an animal, and say, yeah, I think I'll take this one. He looks strong. It looks like I can get a lot of years out of this one. And, and Joseph might be thinking, you know, this is not what I thought. And then even more, more than that, Joseph might be thinking about, what, what happened to those dreams that God gave me? God allowed me to see a vision of my future. And He he allowed me to see dreams where I would have power and I'd have position and I would have riches and I would have resources and I'd be able to help people and I'd be able to be a blessing to people. And He said, what happened to those dreams? You know, Joseph could potentially get better. He might look up to God and say, God, why are you doing this? Or he might be asking, God, why are you allowing this? He might be looking up to God and saying, God, this isn't fair. God, this isn't right. God, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I now being sold into slavery? Why are they jealous of me? It's not my fault that Jacob loves me more than them. I didn't do that. Things were bad in the life of Joseph. I mean, could you, I mean, you know, put yourself in, you know, let the Bible, put some flesh on the Bible. Imagine yourself at the age of 17 being sold into slavery into a foreign country. And as far as you know, you're never seeing your family again. That's a pretty bad life. 
But you know what the you know what's amazing about life and God is that when it seems like things couldn't get worse, they get worse. Look at verse number ten. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, very persistent, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. That, that's, that's the mistake Joseph made right there. He allowed his, himself to be in the house with a woman and no other person around. And, you know, just take that, you know, right now as a lesson. You know, you men, uh, you, we, you ought not be riding in vehicles with people that aren't, you know, with, with people of the other sex that aren't you know, your spouse. You know, you ought not be in houses and in rooms. You know, that's just a good Bible principle there to just, you know, uh, be alone with your wife. Don't be alone with anybody else, you know. I mean, uh, to the best of your ability, you need to make sure that, you, you know, you keep your testimony right, you know, by not finding yourself alone in places with people of the opposite sex that, you know, you're not married to. And the Bible says that, that Joseph, he came in to do his work. There was nobody in the house but this woman. Big mistake. Look at verse 12. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now look, Joseph did the right thing. He lost his garment, but he kept his character. But look what, look what this evil woman does. Verse 13. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house, and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me, he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. Now is that what happened? No. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out, and she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me, and it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant unto me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So she lied about him. She said, he came and tried to rape me. And I, I yelled. And when he heard me yell, you know, he, he ran out and he left his coat. And she lied about him. And Joseph ends up going to prison because of it. Now, Joseph didn't do anything wrong. He may have had a, a, a lapse of good judgment by stepping into a house with a woman that he already knows is trying to seduce him and not having anybody there. But, you know, other than that, maybe he just made a bad judgment call. He didn't sin. He didn't do anything wrong. And this woman lied about him. You know what the interesting thing is? His brothers sold him into slavery because of a piece of clothing he was wearing. The coat of many colors. And this woman gets him thrown into jail because of a garment that he was wearing, the coat that he left with her. Isn't that interesting? You know, if I was Joseph, I'd just stop wearing coats. <laughs> but the Bible says there in verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a, a, into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were 
bound, and he was there in prison. And you know, when it seems like things can't get any worse for Joseph, somehow they just manage to get worse. But see, here's what you got to understand. God's plan, those dreams that Joseph had, were prophecies. Those dreams will come to pass. As we get towards the end of Joseph's life, we're going to find that God's plan and God's purpose for Joseph's life was to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. Second only to the Pharaoh. To Pharaoh. But see, here's what you got to understand. The road to the palace for Joseph goes through Potiphar's house as a slave and goes through prison. See, we want to just get to the palace. But God sometimes needs to take us through the road of Potiphar's house and through the road of the prison. And all of these things that God was bringing Joseph. Here, what you got to understand. We read this story and we feel bad for Joseph. We think, man, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Why is this happening to us? Why is God allowing this to happen? But here's what you got to understand. When we started learning about Joseph, God put Joseph on a plan, on a road, on a journey. And he has a will for Joseph's life. And he's going to bring Joseph and he's going to exalt Joseph. But oftentimes, before God can exalt you, he's got to abase you. Before God can bring you up, he's got to bring you down. And he's got to humble you. And what Joseph doesn't understand, and what we sometimes don't understand, is that this is God's plan. God is trying to do something with Joseph. He's trying to help him. The trials are there for a reason. God uses trials in our lives. Go with me to James in your uh, New Testament. James chapter number 1. And look at verse number 1. Let me, let me show you a few things about trials. James chapter number 1. And look at verse number 1. James chapter number 1. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad... Greetings. Notice what he says. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Do you see that? God says that He, the trying of our faith worketh patience. And then he says, let patience have her perfect work. Let patience do her work in your life that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, God wants you to get to the place, Joseph, where you're perfect, where you're entire, where you're wanting nothing. You say, what is that talking about? That's talking about being whole. That's talking about being complete. God wants you to be a well-rounded, mature, complete, entire Christian. He has a will for your life, but he says he's going to have to use the work of patience to get you to that place. You say, well, how does he work patience in our life? Through the trying of our faith. Go with me to Job chapter number 23. There in your uh, Old Testament, right before the book of Psalms, Job chapter number 23. Look at verse number 10. Job chapter number 23. And look at verse number 10. Remember the story of Job? Job lost everything. Do you remember that? Satan comes to God and talks about different things. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And he talks about how good Job is and how righteous Job is. And Satan says to God, well, yeah, because he, he serves you and he loves you because you bless him. If you would take everything he had, he'd curse your name. So God says, okay. 
Go ahead. Do whatever you want, just don't hurt him. And the devil comes down and he assaults the life of uh, Job. And we read there in the passages that his, all his children die. All his finances are shattered. His business is destroyed. He loses everything he has in one day. I mean, person, you know, messenger after messenger after messenger came bearing him bad news. And in one day, he lost everything he possessed. All the wealth, all the money, and his children. And the Bible says he didn't curse God. And then Satan says, well, if you would mess with his health, he'd do it. So then God says, okay, go ahead. Do whatever you want, but don't kill him. And we read about Job that he gets boils from the top of his head down to the bottom of his feet. These huge boils, and he's in pain, and he's in agony. But he retains his integrity. And it's very interesting, one of the things that Job says, if you look at Job chapter number 23, in verse 10, the Bible says this, Job said this, but he, talking about God, Knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. See, what Job was saying was this. God knows. Now Job was saying, I might not understand why God is doing this. I might not understand why God is allowing this. I don't understand why God is putting me through this. But I know one thing. The Lord is with me. I know one thing. God knows. God knows the way that I take. God knows what's happening in my life. God knows what's happening. And when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. See, he's talking about, you You know, uh, today we would take a precious metal like gold or silver, and we would put that in a furnace, and in those days they would do the same thing, and you melt that, and the reason you melt that, you melt it so you can filter it, and you're trying to get all the you know, corruption and all the dirt and all the stuff out of it, so that you can bring it forth as pure gold, or as you know, a more valuable thing, and God will often take you and I, and you'll put us in the fire, in the furnace, in the trial, and what he's trying to do is he's trying to make us to come out as gold. And that's the purpose of the trial. But see, we have to learn life's adversities before we can be trusted with life's advancements. You understand that? We have to learn from life's adversities before we can be trusted with life's advancements. See, if, if God, you know, if, if we started Verity Baptist Church and, uh, you know, you know, the second Sunday, we just had 500 people in church. You know, we, we might not grow from that. But as God puts us through trials, and as God puts us through hardships, and as God allows the growth to be slow, and different things, like, you know, I'm using that as an analogy, but do you understand? That God puts you through trials, and through different things, and the harder the trial, the better the exaltment. See, being the most powerful man in the most powerful nation is not a small feat. But being cast in prison for years isn't a small feat either. And those trials were there for a purpose. But you say, I don't understand how Joseph made it. Go, go back to Genesis 39. You say, I would have quit. Job's wife said to Job, curse God and die. He said, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. Why is God doing this to you? And Joseph could have very easily had the same attitude. And you say, well, how is it that... Why, why, did, why was Joseph able to make it through these trials? Why was he able to, to go through these things? I, I don't understand why uh, Joseph was able to do this. Well, I'd like you to take note of a few things. If you look down at verse 2, the Bible says this. And the Lord was with Joseph. Skip down to verse number 3. 
Bible says this, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Go down to verse number 21. The Bible says, But the Lord was with Joseph. And look down at verse number 23. The Bible says, The keepers of the prisons looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. See, the way that we get through trials, and here's what you got to do. You say, why do you preach these type of sermons? Well, here's what you got to understand. Every single one of us is going to go through a trial at some point. You know, if you, if you haven't gone through one, then get ready, because it's coming. And, and by the way, let me just explain this to you. That is the Christian life. The Christian life is coming out of a valley, going up a mountain, hitting that mountain peak, and as soon as you hit that peak, you're right back down into a valley. That's how it works. As we journey through this life, God is taking us through trial, through storm, through tribulation, after, after storm, after trial, after tribulation, because He's always trying to make us better. He's always trying to make us cleaner. He's always trying to purge us and purify us. But it's so amazing, if you look at verse 20, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, and the place where king's king prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. And right there at verse 20, you could say, the lowest part of Joseph's life, the lowest place he's been in his life, not only has he been taken from his family, taken away from his father who he loved, sold into slavery, now in the, in the slavery that he was in, it gets worse. They lied about him, they throw him in prison. But verse 21 is so beautiful, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph. So how do you make it through trials? How do you make it through tribulations? How do you make it through these things? What if someone lies about you? What if someone attacks you? And you say, I didn't do anything. Why is this happening? Here's how you're going to make it. You've got to have this understanding that God is with you. The Lord is with you. And you know, oftentimes as Christians, we want God to take us out of trials when God wants to just go through the trial with us. Does that make sense? We pray, God, will you please help me so I don't have to go through this trial? And God says, it's not so much that I want to take you out of the trial. I want to just go through the trial with you. I want to be with you the whole time in the slave camps, in the prison, in Joseph's life, the whole time. The Bible doesn't say that the Lord was watching Joseph. The Bible doesn't say that the Lord was checking up on Joseph. The Bible doesn't say that the Lord was, you know, making sure that the angels... The Bible says that the Lord was with him. He was with him in the slavery. He was with him in the prison. He was with understood that. Because see, what, what you and I don't understand is this. The Lord is always with us. The Lord's always with you. The problem is, do we acknowledge that? And Joseph understood, and Joseph acknowledged that. It's very interesting. Look at verse number 22. The Bible says, And the keepers of the prisons committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did, there he was the doer of it. You know what I like about Joseph? Is that just, the whole time you're reading about Joseph, in Potiphar's house, in the prison, he's just a very industrious young man. He's just a hard-working man. 
You know, he gets, you know, I, you would think to yourself, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the worst slave you got, Potiphar. I, I'm going to try to cut every corner and get away with it. If I'm going to be in prison, you know, I'm just going to sit back and relax and, you know, work out and that's it. But that wasn't Joseph's attitude. Joseph's attitude was this. If I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave you got. If I'm going to be a prisoner, I'm going to be the best prisoner you got. They, they, it said that nothing got done in that prison. Whatsoever they did, he was a doer of it. You say, well, where do you get, how did, why was that? Why, why did you, here's why. Because Joseph understood one thing, the Lord was with him. The Bible says that whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord. That's why when you go to work, look, it's not right for us as Christians to clock in five minutes late, clock out five minutes early, take a 30 minute, you know, coffee break. You know, that's not how you ought to work. That not ought to be our character. We ought to be hard working. We ought to be people. You say, well, I don't, you don't understand my boss is, is dumb and he doesn't understand. He says, look, don't do it for your boss. Your boss may be a slave owner. Do it unto the Lord. Work for God. Serve God. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what the world does. It's like, well, everybody else takes 20 smoke breaks. Why can't I take a smoke break? Just work. Be industrious. I, you know, and that's a common theme in our sermons. My, my son today, we're going over to pick up the kids for church and stuff, and my, my son says, why, are lazy pe- why do lazy people not work? And I said to him, because they're lazy. And I said, but we're not going to be lazy. We're going to work. And he said, yeah, we're going to work. You know, and he was excited about it. And that, we need to get back to that mentality. Christians ought to be known as hard-working people. You know, let the world be 33 years old still playing video games. Do you know how many 27, 28-year-olds, you know, 25-year-olds I know that, you know, still are playing video games like a child? You know, like, good night. Grow up. You know, they need a pastor to get in their face and say, get to work. Amen. Because, you know, that's what, we're, that's what we're raising in this country. But, but see, if, if we put the fear of God... It's like we are preaching this morning. If we put the fear of God back in our children, maybe they'd understand, man, the Lord's with me. The Lord's seeing me through this. The, the Lord is helping me and blessing me, and I might not be where I want to be, but by the grace of God, I know that He is with me, and I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be industrious. Because I know the Lord is with me. Let me ask you a few questions. We're already done. I didn't, I didn't want to preach long tonight. But you know what? Like I was saying earlier, we are all going to go through trials. All of us. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to go through things that just seem like it's just too hard. You know, like we are talking about this morning, raising kids. There's going to be times where you're just going to think, oh, this is too hard. I cannot do this. You know? I mean, everybody comes back. I'll be honest with you, and I'm not looking for sympathy, so please don't give it, but, you know, there's times when my wife and I will have a busy week. I mean, you know, we, we, we've got people calling us who need help, and we want to help them, but, you know, i got to go work, and she's got things she needs to take care of with the kids, and, and she's got to, you know, you know, I work like crazy, so she's got to run every, you know, I mean, she's got to write my sermon, and, you know, I'm just joking, she doesn't write, but, she, you know, she does all sorts of stuff for the church, she's taking care of soul, all sorts of responsibilities, you know, we're saying, I mean, there, there are many times where we're up to 3, 4 in the morning on a Saturday night, just cleaning up the church, just because we're so busy, and sometimes, you know, we get to the place, like, man, is this even worth it? But then, you know, you think to yourself, you know what, the Lord sees it, the Lord knows, the Lord understands, and, and, it, it, and it's okay, because you know what? 127 people have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as a, as part of, as a ministry of this church. And that's worth it. 
You know, the 40 people that were in church here this morning, and they got the preaching of God's word, that's worth it. And you know, God, and it'll be worth it. When we get to heaven, it will be worth it all. You say, well, it's not worth it now. It's hard. I, I don't like it. You know, I, I just want to take the easy route. I just don't want to, I just want to quit. Joseph could have quit. Joseph could have gave in. He could have thrown in the cow. And nobody, I'm telling you, nobody, not even you and I, would have said anything about it. We would have just looked at Joseph and said, I understand. But Joseph, you said, what, what was that drive that this young man had? Here's the drive. The Lord was with him. Let me ask you a question. Do you know that the Lord is with you? Do you know that the Lord is with you? You know what we you know what I need to in this church to have the you know, you say, Pastor Jimenez, you you want to build a great ministry for God, you want to see tons of people saved, you get a big building. Yeah, I'd love to see all of that. But you know what I need more than any of that? You know what I need? Here's what I need. To make sure that the Lord is with me. Well, you need that because you're the pastor. No, you need that. You need that to be a mother. You need that to be a father. You need that to be an employee. You need that to be a Christian. You need that to get through life. You need to know that the Lord is with you. Let me ask you a question. Do you know that the Lord is with you? And if He's not, then why don't we make sure we get the Lord back in our lives? You say, how do I do that? In His Word? In prayer time? In devotion time with God? Just getting close to God and getting near God? Getting that fellowship with God and just spending that time in prayer and knowing that the Lord is with me? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we love you. And Father, a very basic challenge tonight. But Lord, we just, we just need to know. And Father, I need to know that the Lord is with me. And Father, we know that your presence is always with us and the Holy Ghost is always with me. But I want to know that we're walking in the Spirit. And that you're able to help us, you're able to love us and take care of us. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray.